The 399th edition of the MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by our Patreon. Score exclusive perks, content, and contests, including our NFL Wins Totals Contest with a $1,000 prize. Join today at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. We're also brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app to get last-minute tickets at the lowest prices guaranteed. Use promo code SGPN for $20 off. Howdy, howdy, DeGenerinos, and welcome to episode 399 of the MMA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Uh, this one's going to go out to Jay Ream, one of our friends in the sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Discord, who says some nice things about Gumby and myself. And that is the way to get an episode dedicated after after you. Give us compliments. It's we're, it's very easy to uh, bribe and bribe us and, and get an uh, episode named after you. So, whether it's in the Discord or whether it's in the uh, on Twitter, whether it is on the um, on the five star reviews, whatever it takes, you know, just tell us how great we are, and you'll get an episode named after you as well. So, this is a pay per view episode, too, a special one. Uh, uh, UFC two ninety two is what we're going to be covering this episode and tomorrow's episode as well. Today we will be covering the seven prelim fights going down Saturday in Boston, and let's bring in uh, our resident. Mass hole on this podcast who tell us all about the TD Gardens. It would be the one and only Daniel Gubby Breland. Hello. What, what is it that you want me to tell you about the TD Garden? Because like, it, there's nothing. Nothing. Yeah, it's it's not particularly a. Uh, I, I mean, it's a nice arena. Uh, it's one of those arenas where if you do happen to be going, uh, the nosebleed seats are usually pretty darn good anyway because they like sit right on top of the ice slash court slash cage. But I will tell you, uh, they're not worth $550, which is what the street value is of them on uh, on Wednesday here. So it is going to be a raucous crowd. I will guarantee you that. If you'd rather not talk about that, we can talk about Last Night's Contender Series instead. Uh, is, we, is we, that... we, we can pass on that one. Uh, I did, uh, you know. <laughs> Full disclosure, because we're we're honest when we're losing here. I did go over five, but if you were in the Discord uh, with us, uh, I did throw a hail mary play up there on Abdul Kareem El Sawade uh, because I was like, hey man, that that number is just not right. He shouldn't be a. He was a four to one underdog basically by fight time, uh, and I was like, you just can't justify putting any money on George Hardwick. And look, it wound up bailing me out. So uh, while uh, while my picks for the show wound up being very bad, and we're definitely gonna have to course correct for next week, uh, my my uh, wallet wound up not being uh, actually it wound up actually being a little fatter by the end of the night, which is the craziest part. Yeah, that's why you have to uh, get in the Discord because things do change. Um, and it, did you bet that fight live, or what made you? You just decided the line got too out of control. Yeah, the line got wicked out of control. Like I think when we broke it down, it was Hardwick was at three negative three fifteen, and I think the return on Selwadi probably like plus two thirty, plus two forty, and he was he was a four like yeah, a four hundred. Yep. Yeah, he was a four hundred underdog basically by the time you know. I think I got it at three eighty five. Um, so he's basically a four to one underdog by that time. And at that point I was like, you know, I, I didn't really love him at two to one, but it was not a four to one type fight because he's, you know, he's gritty. He's not easy to put away. And, uh, he really showed that man. He, he was super impressive. Um, and altogether it was a fun night of fights, regardless of whether or not, uh, we had opposite day where I was not doing so well. And Yanni, the Greek was so, you know, there it goes. 
Oh, yes. I'm six and four, by the way, just picking off resumes too. So maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Who's to say? Uh, did anyone impress you last night? Any I mean, so, so Wadi, so Wadi for oh, sure. Yeah. So yeah, Wadi no. is going to yeah. be an, an absolute beast. And, and the rest of them, you know, not so much. Although Ibo Aslan is, is a guy who, you know, anytime you get a light heavyweight with good punching power who seems to be fast, you know, it, the sky's the limit for anybody with like any skills at like heavyweight, right? Like, and it does seem like he's fast yep. and he's finished a couple of fights with low leg kicks and, you know, there's lots to like about him, but you know, outside of that, no, nah, I didn't really like Hyder Emil. Uh, Eduardo Ronda kind of looked like she was fighting somebody who didn't belong there. And I didn't really see enough of Gregorio to get super hump hyped on him. So, um, I guess time will tell on all of them, as it usually does with contender series. But yeah, so Wadi's the the big winner of the night. You're ne- neither hyped nor humped on uh, on that guy as a prospect, I guess, right? Uh, no, n- neither. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, you were earlier talking about ticket prices and whatnot at uh, TD Gardens. I know a place that can help you with your ticket price dilemma, and that would be one of our new sponsors, GameTime.co, not um, .co. Um, GameTime takes the stress out of you trying to buy tickets for events. Uh, you can get last-minute tickets. You can get the best price tickets. All of that uh, is what you can get over with GameTime. Browse through the GameTime app and talk about upcoming uh, events in your area, such as I checked out – what did I check out, Gumby? Um, I, I saw Blue Jay tickets there. I checked out in your neck of the woods uh, UFC 292 tickets. Still probably – a little too uh, pricey for um for us uh well after contender series it's definitely too pricey right yeah <laughs> although I, I came out on <laughs> top anyway. i came out on top <laughs> that's true that's right you said you did that's right yeah so so if you're in the discord you can probably get on game time and afford uh these tickets there's lots of great things on there they got flash deals they got last minute tickets it's easy to find everything you can see a image of where your seat is which is always cool so you know exactly like gumby said every seat basically in the td uh garden is good well you can see for yourself with the photos there so um it's game time is the fastest growing ticketing app in the country like i said you get your images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive you can buy your tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and then tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email if all that sounds good you can snag the tickets without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use code sgpn for 20 dollars off your first purchase terms apply again here's what you do create an account Redeem code SGPN. You get 20 bucks off. Simple as that. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. Episode 399 is going to kick off with our UFC 292 prelim breakdown. Got seven fights that we're going to get to you here. Um, card has been in a bit of flux. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about last minute stuff um, and people. We haven't really lost a fight, but, but we've uh, had some fighters sub in, which we will let you know. We, we did uh, lose so one. <clears throat> We lost um which we, one? we lost Rob Font versus Song Yudong, uh, which was originally okay, supposed right. to be on this one because Song Yudong dropped out, Rob Font jumped into that Corey Sanhagen fight. So we have technically lost one, but you're right, a lot of other shuffling. Okay. Okay. So this Saturday, August 19th, T D Garden, Boston, Massachusetts. Six thirty is the current start time for the early prelims on ESPN Plus. And that's where we're going to start with a women's flyweight fight. Actually, I want to ask you first. Some crappy lines again this week. Am yeah, I correct? I, 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 um, I, I'm having a tough time. I, I will be honest with you. Just like last week, 
when I struggled to fly to lock and eventually I found a winning one, but I had to dig into using, you know, a prop on, on Marcus McGee inside the distance, which still was negative 200. Um, but I couldn't find anything, you know, below negative 350 that I was like enthused on last week. Felt kind of the same way this week. I, I was like really digging for my lock, which you'll get on tomorrow's episode. There you go. A teaser. Gummy, Gummy's good at teasing. Um, Hopefully, well, not hopefully, but maybe you'll be able to uh, convince me on uh, on some underdogs here because I found the lines really chalky as well. You you never seem to find lines chalky, but that's why I'm called chalks, I guess, and you're not. Yeah, I, I would tell you I have, I, I think, I, I have a smattering of underdogs I like on this fight card. Okay. Well, let's get started then with women's flyweight, as I said. Kareem Silva versus Marina Moroz. We're going to back-to-back. Women's flyweights named Silva fighting. First one is Kareen. Uh, we'll tell you about the Iron Lady first, Marina Moroz, 11 and 4. One knockout, six submissions, never been finished in any fight. Six and four in the UFC. She's gone three and four, three and one, excuse me, over her last four. She did lose her last fight. Uh, she used to fight as oh, wait, was a regional champion, 2013 pro MMA debut, two inches taller than Silva. She's got better striking stats and she's more active landing strikes than Silva is. However, she's been outstruck by her. Opponents in the UFC by 0.17 strikes per minute. So pretty much a wash there. And she's at plus 128. Killer Kareen Silva. She has been a killer thus far. 16 and 4. Eight knockouts, eight submissions. So she's finished all of her wins. Very uh, well-roundedly. Also, um, one, she's been knocked out once, submitted twice. 2-0 in the UFC. 1-0 on the Contender Series. This is part of a seven-fight winning streak, which takes her back uh, to her last loss in May of 2019. Used to fight up at Bantamweight, down at Strawweight. 2013 Pro MMA. May debut two years younger than Moroz. Uh, she's been outstruck in the UFC and the contender series by 1.04 strikes per minute. Better grappling stats in the UFC and contender series stats than Moroz. Um, she is at minus 140. I should mention they did fight a long time ago. Um, I'm gonna look it up. Do you remember off the top of your head, Gumby? Or no? 20, 2014. Yes, 2014. Um, Marina Moroz submitted Kareen Silva, uh, XFC International Seven. Gumby probably watched it knowing him. I've now watched the highlights. Um, although, okay. you know, I, th- there's really only much, so much you can take from like a decade old fight, right? Like, and I think that yes, that's, for sure. it's really important to contextualize that. That being said, I'm still taking Marina Mraz here as a underdog. Um, right, right out the gate, I like an underdog here. And, and the reason is pretty simple is while Karina Silva is uh, shown really great submission skills, right? Like both of her wins in the UFC submissions, uh, her win on the Contender Series submissions, uh, her last three or four wins before that, uh, also submissions, if, if you can get results on all of them. But the, I mean, you said it yourself, Marita Mraz, never been finished in her whole life. Um, and when you look at the type of fighter that Karina Silva is, she concedes takedowns. Um, and that, that's actually what cost her against Marina Mraz all those years ago. Um, her takedown defense percentage right now, zero, uh, Somebody has uh, attempted two takedowns on her, and she gave them both up. Um, and that fighter was Yan Kui Hui on Contender Series, and she went down kind of without a fight both times. Now, the second time, she did reach for the guillotine and wound up getting it, but that's kind of my point on why I like Marina Mraz here is that Karina Silva is sort of one of those fighters who's willing to be taken down to get to what she's good at. Um, and if you shoot takedowns on her, she will go down. And Marina Moraz is kind of the type of person who can take you down and stay safe. In fact, if you look at her last three wins, 
Um, you know, she did. She is coming off that loss to Jennifer Maya. But if you look at her last three wins, Maria Agapova, Mara Buena Silva. By the way, the Mara Buena Silva fight, you know, certainly has aged quite well. Um, and, and then before that, she beat um, oh, Savita Mazo. Um, aged a little bit less good. But like she beat. Maria or Myra Buena Silva largely by putting volume on her and scoring five minutes of control time on two takedowns. So like if you're taking down Myra Buena Silva and Maria Agapova, like I really do think she's not going to have that hard of a time taking down Karina Silva. And like, those are all of her fights so far at uh flyweight. She scored a takedown on with the exception of the Jennifer Maya one. So I think like, as long as she takes her down and stays safe, she's going to have an advantage there. I also just in general think her output is way better, right? Like the strikes landed per minute is way higher for Marina Mraz. And I think she's faster. Um, she puts better combinations together. There's a lot there to like for Marina Mraz. So out the gate, I'm going to go dog. I'm going to go Marina Mraz. I am glad you said all that because I, just before we went on air, I, switched over to Miraz as well. Uh, and I was hoping it wasn't just because I, I want to uh, bolster my, my um, portfolio with a few more dogs here, but yeah, I, um, everything you said obviously checks off with me because I'm picking her as well, obviously. And I'm big on resumes as well. When, when push comes to shove, if I'm, if I'm trying to, um, trying to figure out who's going to win. If I'm and I really don't have uh, a clear answer. I do look at resumes and Moses is way better recently than Silva. Silva really hasn't fought and beaten anyone very good uh, in the UFC. So I think Roz is worth a roll of the dice as well. Plus the fact that she has beaten her before that, that can't be uh, taken as way, way as well. Some fighters just have other, other fighters numbers and really uh, whether it was a decade ago or not, it may not make a difference. So I think Roz is a strong underdog. So let's do it. Let's do it. Um, yeah. And I, I also will just say this. I think this line is being swayed by like, and this is so dumb, but we do have two flyweight women in a row with the last name Silva. One of them has looked unbeatable. The other one has looked like good in her finishes, but maybe not like looked flawless at all times. And I think somehow people sometimes conflate the two and just put them all in the same basket. And I think that's why she's coming in as the favorite here. There you go. Our, let's see. We'll talk about the other Silva right now. We'll see if we are in, in a her or if we're fading as well it's another women's flyweight as gumby said andrea lee versus natalia silva uh i guess it's creamy silva i was saying probably cream or cream that's creamy excuse me so this, we're going to talk about natalia and andrea here first andrea kgb lee she is 13 to 7 three knockouts five submissions she's been submitted once five and five in the ufc she's lost two straight before that she won two straight she was the lfa champion before she also went four and two in invicta she has filled a drug test for a dry, diuretic many moons ago uh kickboxing and boxing champion two inches taller than silva four inches reach on her better grappling stats uh and lee has outstruck her ufc opponents by 1.54 strikes per minute so a really good number there she's at plus 300 though on the boards none of that impresses the bookmakers uh natalia silva 15 5 and 1 five knockouts seven submissions she's been knocked out once submitted twice three and all in the ufc she's won nine straight fights last two via knockout or tko has not lost since december 2017 was a regional champion useful at straw weight as well eight years younger than lee better striking stats and more active lighting strikes and get this in the ufc she's outstruck her opponents by three and a half strikes a minute 3.57 strikes per <laughs> minute so that may explain why she's winning fights and she's and she's the finishing fight so she's at minus 350 um i wish the line was better but uh give me an italian silva like gumby said she's looked 
virtually unbeatable since she has come onto uh, the UFC's radar. And KGB Lee has not. She seems to be past. Um, she really hasn't fulfilled what some hope for her in the UFC to begin with. And uh, especially recently, she seems to be a shell of, of what she was. So definitely give me the younger fighter who has looked like a killer. So not killer silver, silver though. The other silver. Yeah, and I, I think for me, the, the big problem with, with having any faith in Lee here is she's always been a fighter who's kind of gotten by on her physicality of being just like the stronger, bigger, tougher woman in a lot of cases. And she's now aging, and that's less true. And we're talking about, you know, Natalia Silva, who bodied Jasmine Jesudovicius, um, which in retrospect, what a win, right? Like that to, yep. to manhandle and take down Jasmine Jesudovicius at will turned out to be just an incredible win because, uh, you know, Jazuda Vicious just then beat the hell out of Marinda Maverick right after that. So, you know, Silva is stronger than her. And, and you know, like Andrea Lee is is sort of disintegrated to the place where just a couple of years ago, Roxanne Matafari bodied her. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Roxy, but Roxy is not like, you know, an athletically gifted fighter. She's somebody who sort of sneaks by with her technique and being a little weird. And she, she actually out physical. Uh, and I, she's a lot of weird. Let's just, let, we'll call it spade a spade. Um, I love Roxy. It's one of my favorite fighters of all time. Um, but she, she fights weird. Um, and she bodied Andrea Lee. So if she's bodying Andrea Lee, what hope does she have against Natalia Silva? Um, I, again, yeah. Like, of course I wish the line was better, but I actually expected it to be worse. There you go. All right. We're in on the one Silva, the second Silva, the Natalia Silva. All right. The final early prelims. So we can say the main event of the early prelims. This this uh, fight actually deserves to be a main event, or at least are on the card. Middleweights, Andre Petrosky, our boy, versus Gerald Mir Shart. Tell you about oh, who's, I guess, would be was Gumby's boy. See, you hit a big plus five billion underdog on him <laughs> last year or years, years in the past. Yeah, it was when he, he beat our, our boy, uh, Ahmed Vert. Right. Oh, yes, our friend, Ahmed Vert. All right. Mirashart, GM3 or the machine? Which do you prefer, Dan? Uh, I, I like GM3. He doesn't really use the machine anymore. He used that way back when he was having uh, regional fights against Sam Elvey. Back when he was a machine, yes. All right. We'll go with GM3. Gerald Mirashart, the third. 35 and 16. He's been around the block. Six knockouts, 27 submissions. So he, he's finished all of his wins except two, which is very impressive. He's been knocked out four times, submitted eight times. 10 and eight in the UFC. Lost, win, loss over the last three. Got TKO'd in his last fight. Monster Region Championships on his. Mantle. Correct. Get the shirt. SportsGamingPockets.com slash store. And thank you, Turnip, for supporting our store. Um, what else can I tell you about Mirashart? Used to fight at light heavyweight and down at welterweight. 2007 was his pro MMA debut. He's got an inch height, four inches of, sorry, inch of reach, four inch. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's try again. An inch of height, four inches of reach, which is what I was going to say originally, and which is correct. So he's a bit longer than Petrosky. Um, Mearshart has been outstruck over his UFC career by 0.36 strikes per minute, plus 100 on the board. Petrosky, nine and one, four knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out once. So he's gone to the decision one time by my math. Four and oh on the UFC. He's not lost since October of 2020. 20. He went one and one in the Ultimate Fighter. Was a regional champion. Used to fight at welterweight. Four years younger than Mearshart. Better striking stats, better grappling stats, and more active landing strikes. And Mearshart, and he has outstruck his UC opponents by 1.36 strikes per minute. Minus 225. I wonder if this is a tough one for Gumby. You like both these guys. This is a tough one for you. 
I like both these guys, and they both cashed huge for me at one point or another. Uh, Mearshart with that that Mahmoud Muradov win that I just talked about, and then uh, Petrosky with the one over Nick Maximoff. Uh, both like you know massive underdogs. Yeah. Both picked up submission wins. I do love both of them. The problem is, is we've seen this fight already. Uh, Gerald Mearshart just fought Joe Pfeiffer, uh, teammate of Andre Petrosky. Um, despite being a little bit, well, not a little bit better, a substantially better boxer than Andre Petrosky, they both pose that same threat to Gerald Mearshart. And that's their, you know, suffocating submission grapplers who are on top of you and who are not going to let you up and tire you out and have, have power in their hands. Like, I, I feel like, you know, that can't be slept on Petrosky here is he hits really hard. Um, you know, it, it's been a while since we've seen him. Uh, knock somebody out clean on the feet, but he, he's done it. Um, and, and like, cause he's, you know, leaned more on his grappling as of late. And I just think that like, you know, Mearshart is a guy who's going to have to either take you into deep waters or, you know, he's going to have to backpack you and submit you. And I, I just can't imagine that happening to Petrovsky. You know, you mentioned Mearshart, you know, he finishes all of his fights. I don't know that he can sub Petrovsky. And in addition to that, the other problem is, is, three of his last four losses have come by knockout. You know, he is in, and not easy knockouts either. Ian Heinish floored that man. Kamzat Chemaev hurt him. Joe Pfeiffer, mean right cross and some follow-up punches that didn't look good either. So like he's taken a huge beating as of late. Um, I think that plays a little bit into it. And, and again, you know, he's going to go from fighting one team to Daniel Gracie guy to the next. And the style is not different in those guys. So yeah, give me Petrosky here. Yep. Obviously I'm taking uh, Petrovsky as well. Um, he's looked fantastic and yeah, it's, I think he's just going to be too physical for Mirashart and he's, he's not going to get himself caught. Um, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed. All right. One more sponsor to tell you about once I get it back on my screen here, because I'm not prepared very well, am I? All right, I'm going to tell you about our Patreon, of course. Sign up for the Sports Gambling Podcast Patreon to get access to exclusive contests, including the NFL Win Totals Contest with a $1,000 first place prize. Besides season-long contests, they also have weekly contests just for the Patreons, plus a monthly SGP Stories podcast, completely ad-free and full of behind-the-scenes stories from SGPN. There's even a Discord channel just for patrons. Only you can prevent corporate gambling. Do your part to sign up today. Crush corporate gambling at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All right, let's go to the prelims proper with a bantamweight fight. This would be the ultimate fighter, Team McGregor versus Team Chandler. Bantamweight tournament final. The prestigious title. Um, bantamweight, Bracketona versus Cody Gibson as Bracketona looks to make history and become a two-time uh, tough champion. All right, I'm going to have to lean a bit on Gumby on these next two fights because I didn't watch tough because I have better things to do with my time. Okay, fine. I admit it. Let's tell you about Gibson first. He's the renegade. 19-8, seven knockouts, four submissions. He's been submitted four times. One in three in the UFC. Uh, originally, when he was in the promotion, uh, he went 2-0 and on this year's tough, which gets him in the final. He's got multiple regional championships on his. Mantle. Correct. Get that shirt. Sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash store. He won four of his last five fights, not including the tough ones. Uh, won his last fight via submission. Used to fight at way down at flyweight and 
up at not way down, but down flyweight and up at featherweight. 2008 was his pro MMA debut. Four inches taller than Katona, seven inches reach out. Uh, over his UFC career, he was barely outstruck. Uh, technically, his strike differential was minus 0 0.07 strikes per minute. He's got better grappling stats than Katona in the UFC, plus 154. Katona's Superman. I didn't realize that. He's also Canadian, but I don't think I want him to be Canadian now because everyone seems to hate him. So we'll say he's Irish now. Um, he's got a fake Irish he's accent. Too. One not. <laughs> Fantastic. I see. I didn't watch tough. So I, I actually, I think I heard that. Um, all right. Katona 12 and two, one knockout, three finishes, never been finished in a fight two and two in the UFC when he fought in the UFC four and all on the ultimate fighter now. And he was the champion the first time he was in also is a regional champion or was he's won four straight, uh, official fights, non-tough fights. It's not lost since September, 2019. You fight up at featherweight and up at lightweight four years younger than Gibson. He's more active landing strikes in the UFC than Gibson was. Uh, he outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.35 strikes per minute, minus 182. I'm assuming Katona's the pick without watching the season, just based off what I've known about these guys in the past. So I'm going to say Katona's the pick, but maybe he's not. Maybe Gumby knows more than I do. No, I'm kind of with you. And I don't want him to be the pick because I do find him kind of insufferable. Um, he, he was like, <laughs> yeah. he was really not fun to watch on uh, on the Ultimate Fighter. Um, he's... I, I'm awkward is is a kind way of putting it. I'll leave it at awkward. But the bottom line is, is like if you watch his two fights, he beat Carlos Vera and Timur Valiev, and he beat him with these like grinding styles. By the way, I don't think he beat Timur Valiev. I think it should be Valiev versus Cody Gibson, if we're being honest. Um, and, and Cody Gibson, maybe the line is so short here because he got his opponents out quick, but he got out Mando Gutierrez with a a knee, and then he got out Rico DeSulio, who's a 37 year old prospect who literally went to go through a combination and fell down and he backpacked him and like went right to the submission from there. So like the dude basically got submitted because he accidentally fell down. And I'm not saying it wasn't a foregone conclusion, but like the, the results look better for Gibson and, and, but I'm not sure they, they actually do. And if you look at what they've been doing on the regional scene since they got let go, you know, Brad Katona's put himself in there with a, a bunch of different guys from, you know, either the Middle East or Slavic regions who can wrestle really well and grind it out kind of crappy looking decisions, you know, not maybe not the most terribly exciting fights. Cody Gibson went in there and got out wrestled by Ray Borg for uh, for Habib's Eagle FC. And, and like, while that isn't the worst kind of loss to take, it does is kind of indicative of the kind of fight that Brad Katona brings. So I'm going to pick Katona. I would be very happy to get this fight wrong. Uh, but I do think he's going to win this one. All right. That's what I figured was where we're at. Everyone hates Katona, but they think he's probably going to win this fight. All right. The other side of the bracket, well, it's not a bracket, but the other uh, weight class on top this season was lightweights, and they have a final as well. Austin Hubbard versus Kurt Holabaugh. Neither of these guys are hateable, right? No one hates either of these guys? No, they're they're both super lovable. That's what I thought. Lovable and huggable. We'll tell you about Holabaugh first. 19 and 7 with one no contest, seven knockouts, nine submissions. He's knocked out once, submitted once. 0 and 4 in the UFC over the two stints he had in the UFC. 2 and 0 in the Ultimate Fighter, hence why he's here. In the real MMA world, he's won two straight fights, both via knockout or TKO. Uh, he's not fought in official fights since May of 2021. He's not lost since May of 2019. He also has multiple regional championships on his mantle. Correct. Get the shirt. Sportsgamepodcast.com slash store. I'm saying that a lot this episode. And there's more to come. He won on the contender series, but then got turned to a no contest because it was something lame, Dan. Do you remember what he did? 
some rule thing he did after the fact. Oh, yeah. He got an IV. He, yeah, a pretty an IV, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, so he's officially no contest in the contender series. He used to fight at featherweight 2011 pro MMA debut, an inch taller than Hubbard. He's more active landing strikes in the UFC than Hubbard was, and he outstruck his UFC opponents and contender series opponents by 0.23 strikes per minute, plus 150 for him. Thud is the nickname for Hubbard. You got to love that. Uh, 15 and six, five knockouts, two submissions. He's been submitted twice, three and four in the UFC, two and all in the ultimate fighter. He's won two straight real world fights. He's not lost since August of 2021. Multiple regional championships on his mantle. Correct. Get the shirt, sportsgamepodcast.com slash store. Don't make turn it by everything. You people buy some stuff too. Uh, used to fight at Walter Waite, Mr. Hubbard did. He's got an inch of reach on Holaba. He's five years younger, better striking and grappling stats than Holaba. And he has outstruck his UFC opponents. By 0.7 strikes per minute, and he's at minus 165. You go uh, first. Yeah, this one's this one's on me here, right? Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Kurt Holbaugh. Uh, I think, you know, going into the show, he was the the lowest ranked uh, veteran fighter in the 155 pound class. They put him as the four seed. Um, and, and you know, I interviewed him recently. He said it makes sense. You know, he's 0 and 3 in the UFC one time, 0 and 1 the other time. Uh, but really, when you look at those losses, you know, you can say what you want about the loss to Steven Sealer literally a full decade ago. Um, but his second run through the UFC, he got beat by Rayanu Barcelos, Shane Burgos and Tiago Moises, which is a hell of a run through uh, competition. Since then, his hands have looked really good. He's knocked out a couple of guys in a row for XFC, which is a, you know, sort of an up and coming promotion uh, out of the, the southeast United States. Um, and really, the thing that blew me away about him and that really put me over the top in picking him here is that fight with Jason Knight on the Ultimate Fighter. You know, Jason Knight is a super tough guy and a guy who's always in a fight, uh, either with his submission skills or with his just like grittiness. And he had nothing to offer Kurt Holbaugh. Kurt Holbaugh just was patient, picked him apart, sharp with the hands, mean as all hell. And, you know, not that, that Hubbard doesn't have you know, a little bit of power or it can't be a little bit mean, but this is a guy who wins the vast majority of his fights by decision. You know, his last finish came when Max Roshkov pretty much just quit because he, you know, ran out of gas trying to finish him. And, and he almost did finish him. Let, let's, uh, let's call a spade a spade. Um, but you know, like uh, Hubbard's the type of guy who's gotten outboxed a little bit by Vince Pichelle and he's gotten out grappled by some other dudes that, uh, you know, like, the Eric Wisley's and the Davi Hamoshes of the world. So like, I, I think Holobaugh could grapple him a little bit if he needed to, but I also just think that like refined striking of Holobaugh is going to take him through here. I'm taking Holobaugh as well. I, I cheated. I, I heard you pick him on your other show, Top Turtle, but um, his wins uh, in the, the tough house are more impressive to me looking at, not actually watching the wins, but, but seeing who he beat and how he beat them. Am I correct in saying that his wins are more impressive than thuds? I would say watching them, they were more impressive. I mean, like Dana White gave the the classic answer that uh, it looked like Austin Hubbard and Roosevelt Roberts didn't want to fight each other because they, they wound up being really good friends in the house. And so he wound up winning a three-round split decision, and he, he just never put his foot on the gas. And Kurt Holbaugh and Jason Knight, same thing. Good friends, Holbaugh put his foot on the gas. Um, and you could say the same thing about his fight with Lee Hammond. Lee Hammond, you know, hot prospect. It did look like maybe he lost the first round in that fight, but he pulled out a mean submission in the second round the minute he made a mistake. You know, Hubbard's a guy who's kind of afraid to make mistakes sometimes, and I think that keeps him from putting his foot on the gas too much. 
Um, and really uh, up against a guy who might be a little bit faster, a little bit more technical, or at least has been lately, uh, I think that could be a problem. So, like I said, I'm going Halibut here. All right. Halibut it is. Okay. Now, to fighters I have seen fight recently. Middleweights. Gregory Hodhigas versus Dennis Tui Luilin. I will type it Tui Luilin first. 11-7 with nine knockouts. He doesn't have a nickname because he's got a fun enough name as it is. I think that's the reason why. So 11 to 7, not, he's been not, he's knocked out nine people, excuse me. Uh, he himself has been knocked out once and submitted four times. One and two in the UFC. Loss, win, loss, win, loss is the um, pattern frame over the last five fights. He got submitted in his last fight. Used to fight at watchweight and lightweight. 2013 pro MMA debut. Two inches of reach over Hadhigas. He's been outstruck in the UFC by 0.72 strikes per minute. He's at plus 285. Hobo cop, Gregory Hadhigas. Four. 18 and five, nine knockouts, three submissions. He's been knocked out three times, four and two in the UFC. He's won two of his last three. He did get knocked out in his last fight, though. Uh, both of his wins, last two wins, have come via knockout as well. So, killer be killed. Multiple region championships on his mantle. Correct. Get that shirt. slash store. Um, he was all one in the contender series. He has missed weight in the past. Two inches taller than Tui Louis Lin, four years younger. Better striking stats, better grappling stats, and he's more active landing strikes than Tui Louis Lin, and he's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.27 strikes per minute, minus 350. Give me our boy Hobo Cop. Um, minus 350. He's not that great a line. So if you want to go him via knockout, because that's uh, probably how he's going to go. Like I said, these guys are kind of killer be killer type of guys. Um, we'll, we'll do prop bets tomorrow on the show, but uh, for now, I will take Hadhigas on the Muggy Line. I actually wouldn't be surprised if he got a sub either. Um, you know, he, he hasn't gone for a well, lot of subs. Throws a monkey wrench into it. Yeah, it, I mean, like, he hasn't gone for a lot of subs as of late. Um, but Toy Lulin loses a lot on the mat by sub. So it really wouldn't surprise me for him to, like, hurt him and grab his back or something like that. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me that Toy Lulin starts landing and he shoots a takedown. Um, but yeah, no, like, how, how can you trust Dennis Toy Lulin? The guy's one in three in the UFC. He's 35 years old and his only win is against, uh, Jamie Pickett. Like what? What are we even doing here? Um, yeah, th- this is a candidate to be fired if he doesn't win this fight, and I don't, I don't think he's going to be Hobocop here. Nope, Hobocop is the pick. Maybe be Spanish now because Gumby's Gumby's. I uh, put some doubt on the knockout. Um, we'll talk about that tomorrow. All right, middleweights are main eventing the prelims as well. Chris Weidman's back. Hooray versus Brad Tavares. At least. Uh, he's getting someone who doesn't knock people out. Oh, oh, this, uh, these fights are on ESPN too. I forgot to mention that prelims, the main prelims, and they start at 8 p.m. All right. We will tell you about Wyman first. 15 to 6, six knockouts, four submissions. He's been knocked out six times. All of his losses have come via knockout. 11 and 6 in the UFC. He's gone one and three over his last four, and two and six over his last eight, which means he's been knocked out six times over his last eight fights. But don't worry, they weren't all knockouts. The last one was a horrible horribly uh broken leg that counts as a knockout as well so yes he's coming off a uh destroyed leg uh that was april of 2021 he's not one of fights since august of 2020 like i said all six of his losses have been tko or ko one of them via injury used to fight at light heavyweight was the former champion of the world in the ufc was also a regional champ 2009 was his pro MMA debut was a collegiate wrestling champion inch of height four inches of reach on tavares better grappling stats than tavares and he has been outstruck in the UFC by 0.11 strikes per minute, plus 235 on the former champ. Tavares, 19-8, five knockouts, two submissions. He's been knocked out four times. 14-8 in the UFC. He's got 0-2, 2-0, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 2-1, 
two and two and two and four. So everything goes in twos with this man. Lose two, win two, lose two. Lost his last one via TKO. Is not one since July of 2021. 2007 was his pro MMA debut. Three years younger than Wyman. Better striking stats. He's more active landing strikes. And he's outstruck his UFC opponents by 0.26 strikes per minute. He's at minus 270. Go ahead. How do you take Chris Weidman in 2023, man? You don't. I, you don't. And, and like, I get that it looks like he's back in the gym and he's looking better and he's looking ripped and you don't have to worry about the leg. But I, it's not the leg I'm worried about. You know, it's the fact that just about every fight before that he got knocked silly. Um and not just by like big power punchers either. Like, do you, th- you know, Dominic Reyes has looked awful as of late, right? Like awful. Do you know what his last win is? It's knocking Chris Weidman out freaking cold in Boston. That was the last time Chris Weidman fought in Boston. He got knocked out in the main event cold by Dominic Reyes. You know, he got knocked out by Jacare. Again, not a guy we know for his big power punching. Gegard Mousasi hit him with a knee. Um, you know, Romero is a little bit more forgiving. Luke Rockhold finished him with punches. Like these are not guys we all talk about being big power punchers and all of them still knocked him out. And if you're looking at his last two wins in the last eight years, it's been eight years and he's got two wins. It's he out wrestled Omari Akhmedov, who's fighting in PFL now. And he gassed out Calvin Gastelum in the third round of a fight in his own backyard. Um, he got to fight that one in Long Island. Uh, so he, he gassed out Calvin Gastelum in the third round of a five round fight and managed to get a submission. And that's a fight where he got cracked in and he, you know, was on wobbly legs and had to fight to survive in the early rounds. I know Brad Tavares isn't a knockout artist. I I know he's not the type of guy to hurt people, but listen to this. The books even have Brad Tavares by knockout right now at plus plus one forty five. On a guy who hasn't had a knockout in half a decade, they're still only lining him at plus 145 for this knockout. That tells you even the books know that Chris Weidman's got no chin left. You can't back him in 2023. You you can want to feel good about this feel-good story. You you can root for him. But, man, I just don't think you can put your money on him in, in, in this year. <laughs> yes, in the year of our Lord, 2023. Yeah, that's that's the thing that seems to be getting forgotten here. People keep talking about the leg. Oh, I'm so worried about his leg. I'm not worried about his leg. I'm worried about uh, his like brain. It's mashed potatoes it, at this point. It, yeah, it, it's the brain. Uh, the only, his only saving grace here is, as you said, Tavares is not a, a knockout guy, but that doesn't mean he, he's not, he can't finish him. So well, and we'll also, have to wait. I, I think we need to point this out too. Brad Tavares is impossible to take down. Like, I, and I think people forget that too. Cause like, what was Chris Weidman's path to victory in his last two wins? He took down Akhmedov a hundred times. He took down Calvin Gastelum when he was already tired. Look at Brad Tavares's takedown numbers in his last or his recent fights. He fought Dr- Drykus Duplices, 0-7 in trying to take Brad Tavares down. He fought the aforementioned Omari Akhmedov, 2-9 trying to take him down. Antonio Carlos Jr., 1 of 12 trying to take him down. This guy stuffs tons of takedowns like that's what he's good at so you have to imagine he's gonna stuff whatever chris weidman's got especially whatever 2023 chris weidman's got and hopefully he stuffs their pockets with money because that's who we're picking brad tavares's pick all right let's recap the prelims we'll get out of your ears and we'll get back in yours tomorrow with uh the main card all right we both have tavares we both have had guys hey we both have all 
all the same fighters. We linked up here. Both have Holaba, both have Katona, both have Petrovsky, both have Silva, comma, Natalia, both have Morose. We are on the same track. We synced up, Gumby. I like when that happens. It always makes me feel good. Usually, overall, we're 62% when, when we have a consensus play. So usually it's a good thing. So let's do it. All right. That will be Saturday. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow with more UFC 292 for you. Uh, we told you about Discord, sportsgamingpodcast.com slash Discord. Get in there. Chat with us. Have fun. Everyone, even when people are losing bets, um, no one turns into an asshole, which is very rare in, in the in the online world. So uh, get in there, have fun with us. We're in the fights channel. Email. That's probably the only channel on there that there isn't very many fights, if at all. Um, where else can you find us? Twitter, SGPN MMA, Jeff Fox writer, Gumby Vreeland. That's the handles on Twitter slash X. I'm Jeff Fox writer on Instagram as well. I have a sub stack. Get in there, get a subscription, enter my pick em contest, get my other podcasts, get all my writing and my stats, it's articles and stuff that I do at, moneymma.substack.com get more of gumby in your ears as well with his top turtle on the podcast tell the people who was on it this week gumby uh, i talked to kurt hollabaugh uh the aforementioned kurt hollabaugh as well as mateo vogel who's going to be fighting on week four contender series there you go um and all, all good things in the sports gambling world is at sports gambling podcast.com and obviously the patreon get in our patreon help us crush corporate gambling all right we'll be back tomorrow it'll be me the renegade jeff fox and my co-host thud gumby vreeland we'll talk to you then bye